This episode of The Bull and the Beautiful is being brought to you by the Ohio Combat League. The Ohio Combat League, specializing in bringing the most exciting live entertainment to Ohio, where the best show what they're made of. The Ohio Combat League's next event is Saturday, March 3rd, 2023 at the Hollywood Casino in Columbus, Ohio. Purchase your tickets now by visiting their website, OhioCombatLeague.com. Welcome back to episode number two of The Bull and the Beautiful. My name is George Phillips, the beautiful one, and I'm joined by the bull, Brian the Bull Holstein. And on today's episode, we are going to dive into a little bit of boxing history. We're going to talk about what we feel are the top three fighters of all time, some honorable mentions of some great fighters that paved the way for us in this beautiful sport. And then we're going to get into a little bit of a controversial subject, and that is Rocky Balboa. For those boxing fans out there, Rocky is a staple of American pop culture. There were five, eh, maybe four and a half Rocky movies made, and then there was the Creed series that has been a spinoff and a new one is coming out in march so brian first of all how are you how's the bull give us an update the bull is doing amazing i was coming up with uh trying to come up with my top you know top three list i mean i think i got more honorable mentions than a top three but uh you know we'll uh we'll, we'll get into that who's your uh top three of all time so we're gonna start off here's how we're gonna do this we're gonna start off with our top three we'll each name our our third and why so i picked for number three so before we get into this, I'd like to kind of set the groundwork a little bit. Looking into this top three, it kind of started to remind me of basketball, reminded me of baseball and football, because boxing, although is a very simple sport, it's very complicated. It's like chess. You have to know what your opponent is doing three moves ahead before you do your move. And you, of all people, know that. That's fact. But boxing's changed. Boxing's changed since the Roman and Greek Empire. Boxing has changed since bare knuckle days. Boxing has changed since the Marquis of Queensbury rules came into effect, which put gloves on fighters. Fighters fought at a more frequent pace a hundred years ago. As more rounds, to 15, 15 rounds, remember? <laughs> exactly. And now it's 12 rounds for title fights, sometimes 10, depending on the title that you're fighting for. Right. So I kind of went a little bit back into the more historical side of it. And then obviously some honorable mentions are more are more current. But truthfully, the beauty of our sport, there is really no top three. There really is no honorable mention. It's what the fan likes. And if a fighter that has 10 world titles is their favorite fighter, then that's so be it. That's their right. If a fighter that is a club fighter is their favorite fighter, doesn't matter. It's a beautiful sport. It attracts a wide fan base. So my third is a guy named Willie Pep. Willie Pep fought from 1940 to 1966. His record, 229 victories, 11 defeats, one draw with 65 knockouts. Featherweight champion of the world and started out his career at 62-0. and and if you look at his record when he first started fighting in 1940, once a week, once every other week, sometimes twice a week, 
So I picked him as a top three. Not only was he a champion when there was one singular belt, but he also had such a longevity of 26 years as a professional. What's yours? Oh, you know, he was a he was a master of the angles. So they had uh they had the pep step. I don't know if uh you ever heard of that or not or heard it referred to it or not, yeah. but he would the, the the pep step was more of a it was a V angle where he could, you know, play his defense into his offense, you know, stepping away into the V squaring off and then launching back into an attack. So I mean actually Willie Pep is one of my top on the honorable mentions. So that's uh that's uh that's a big one there. Uh, I derived a lot of my footwork from uh, Willie Pep uh, in that Pep step. The uh, but my top three, my third, um, I'd have to say I'd have to go with Joe Frazier. I mean, Joe Frazier was a, uh, a he, just a left hook wonder. I mean, he had the left hook from hell, and it was uh, uh, the, the more you hit him, the more he liked it. You know, as said by George Foreman. So it's. Uh, you know, a, a true testament of a, you know, my, we talk about fan favorites. That's uh, my fan, me being a fan. That's one of my favorites, you know, attributes out of the, out of the boxer. So definitely, definitely in my top three. You know, he was in my honorable mention and there's two reasons. One, he was just an entertaining fighter to watch. You know, he was a little bit before my recall was a little bit better than it is today as a fighter, but his, his three fights with, with Muhammad Ali, you know, go down in history as, as some of the best three fights ever. And truthfully, you know, watching you fight over over all these years, I see a lot of Joe Frazier uh, in in you, especially when you're about to attack your opponent, the way you crouch down and, and, and attack your opponent. It, it's very similar to, to Smoke and Joe. My number two is some people's number one because of record, uh, Rocky Marciano, 49 and 0, 43 knockouts. Fought from 1948 to 55, won the title in 1952 by defeating Jersey Joe Walcott. Um, he retired with the belt, which is sort of rare nowadays. And I think what's even more rare is he stayed retired and he defeated Archie Moore uh, to, to win the championship. So he not only retired as a heavyweight champion of the world, but as a lot of boxing purists like to call the lineal title, the man who beat the man who beat the man. And uh, he was tragically killed uh, not too long after he retired in, in a plane crash. Yeah. But uh, just based on his record and, you know, 49 and 0 is nothing to sniff at. Obviously Mayweather's 50 and 0, he beat um, Marciano's record, but the knockout percentage, I mean, 43 of his 49 wins came by knockout. So Marciano's probably my number two. Yeah, that's uh, you know, the old Susie Q. You know, he touched with that right hand. Who what, was it? Walcott or was it Ezra Charles that got the got posters? Uh, got got the the poster image with that right hand. I think it was Walcott, wasn't it? Where he's losing Susie all Joe. the way up until the it, when he was losing all the way up until the fifteenth round, and then just caught him with that right hand. That's Susie Q. That's uh. You know, the styles make fights, and uh, you know, you got puncher's chance, and he's you know. Lineal champ, man, for a reason. That right hand, he brought the thunder. Um, yes, he did. My uh, my number two, I would say, uh, of all time, I man, Sugar Ray, Sugar Ray Robinson. I said, define it clearly. Sugar Ray Robinson, man, he just 
And, and I think he really set the the precedent for a lot of modern boxers, you know, with just the, the, the style, the, 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 the grace. It was like a, it was like a, it was a, a brutal dance when he was in the ring and just, it was, it was so much power just wrapped up into so tight, you know, so calculated, so precise movement. You know, you could literally, I, I could literally watch Sugar Ray Robinson, you know, for hours, just training. It wouldn't even have to be a fight, just training. It's his style. Just you know, you don't you don't see much of that today, you know. And uh, going into uh, Custom Motto talking about you know the the art of a knockout, making two punches sound like one, you know that's, uh, that's something that sugar. Looks like we're having a little technical difficulty with the bull, so I'll I'll fill in. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Did it cut back in? There we go. We got you back in. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun one for the listeners. Like, what, what are these two knuckleheads up to? No, oh, man. Uh, so this, no. yeah, the, the last. So where I left off. Uh, what was the last part that you heard with the Sugar Ray? He, you can watch him for hours training. Oh, watch him for hours training. I mean, you know, the the art of Customato was once said that the art of a knockout, the 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 art of creating a knockout was making two punches punches sound like one. And uh, Sugar Ray Robinson had that in spades. I know it was. Uh, uh, a different era, a different trainer, but that that same uh, that same memento applies, you know, to my number two. So Sugar Ray Robinson definitely uh, definitely up there. Now, here's a little interesting fact about Sugar Ray Robinson of of the kind of man he was. He had a fight in Cleveland uh, in June of I believe 1947. He fought a guy named Jimmy Doyle and knocked him out in the eighth round. Doyle was knocked unconscious and unfortunately passed away that night and the city of Cleveland, there was talk about bringing him up on charges and different things like that. Obviously that never came to be, but Doyle's intentions he learned after the fact was he took the fight, not only to elevate his career, but to be able to get some money to buy his mama house. So Robinson gave Doyle's mother uh, money that he made for new fights he had after that three or four fights after that so that he could buy the house on behalf of of jimmy doyle in in out of respect to out of respect to her son so class act also out of the ring yeah so my number one and you know it's you know hello captain obvious is muhammad ali you know for for just a variety of reasons uh in outside of the ring uh 56 and 5 37 knockouts I think he fought a little too late into his career. That that fight with, with Holmes was was very disturbing to watch. You know, even Larry Holmes commented after the fact that that was hard on him because he was one of Ali's favorite sparring partners uh, when Ali was champion and Holmes was coming up from Eastern Pennsylvania. But like we said in the beginning, those three fights he had with, with Frazier and then that fight with Foreman, that's where he adopted that rope-a-dope style. And he would lean against the ropes. Foreman would, you know, punch himself out for lack of a better word and then Ali would would come on the attack and then you know boxing is an evolution and you see a lot of fighters today not necessarily doing rope-a-dope but that avoidance of getting hit type mantra is I think kind of stems from Ali and the way he fought um, especially with with Mayweather you know a lot of people criticize Mayweather for the way he fought well you know what The, the objective is not to get hit in the ring and to hit your opponent score points or score knockdown. So I have, I have Ali as my number one. 
Yeah, that's uh, Ali is a lot of people's number ones, and uh, to be the contrasting king of controversy, yes. I've got Mike Tyson as my number one. <laughs> that's uh, okay. you know, it's uh, I, I, the, the 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 two are very compared. I mean, it was uh, you know, Tyson saying that uh, he 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 you know relinquishes that throne to greatness of Ali, which you know I don't disagree. But you know, as far as me, you know, I think Mike Tyson fought a different fought a different style, a more uh, fan favorite style uh, fought a, a more diverse group of brutal opponents, and uh, not to take anything away from Ali, you know he definitely fought his fair share of era uh, uh, era qualified opponents. But you know when you see guys that stood a chance against like Sir, I tell you what, Sir Henry Cooper put it on him, and if Sir Henry yes, Cooper he can keep if Sir Henry Cooper could keep that bleeding under control, you know it might be a different story. But you know Styles make fights this is what it is. Tyson. I think he wasn't touched in uh, in his all, like in his all period. Now you call awesome, it's called all, call what you want, until he fought Buster Douglas. And uh, I think that's when you saw a crucial change in the, the, the Tyson aura. But, you know, up until that point, you know, he was a people, – people would buy pay-per-views just to watch 20 seconds of a fight. They would yeah. spend a hundred dollars for twenty seconds, and they get pissed and cuss at the TV. Ah, oh, I wish I wanted I'm trying to rooting for the any opponent just to knock Tyson out because they were so mad at spending the money for twenty seconds of action. So it's uh, and they did, you know, and they bought the next fight, and then they bought the next fight. That's right. Oh, but that's but, uh, that's, know, that's Tyson, my number one. Tyson was great. Um, some of his early fights when he fought Mitch Green. That was yeah. well. He fought Mitch Green twice. Once in the street. That's and right. Once, once in the ring, and that was that was a good test for Tyson early on because Mitch was you know an up and comer. You know, not a guy that you probably would put in heavyweight. Oh, dude, he was he was from the he was from he the sucked. streets, man. He was he was uh, he had the the street affiliation. That's what that that uh, the instigation outside the rings that started off. I think it was at the weigh-ins. You know, it was a, a, a flex in the chest, so to speak. And uh, Tyson didn't bow, so it, it, it led into the ring. It was uh, it was it was fun to watch. Let me tell you, it was fun. And then he fought when he fought Frank Bruno the first. He fought Bruno twice. When he fought Frank Bruno the first time, it was an HBO fight. You know the old school Jim Lampley, Larry Merchant uh, broadcast team, and he had Bruno against the ropes. He hit Bruno in the ribs with a right that would have put most people on their knees. And, you know, everybody watching the fight thought the left was coming next. And Tyson went straight up with the same hand after he hit him in the ribs and hit him with an uppercut and then threw the, the hook. Probably one of the best combinations I've ever seen a fighter throw because both shots landed just perfectly clean. But he, he, was, he was very entertaining to watch. And you're right. Buster Douglas, it kind of changed everything. You know, I love watching the, the Tyson-Douglas fight. And then, you know, obviously our connection that we have uh, in the Columbus area with, with Buster and with John and all those guys, it's, yep. it's, uh, it's pretty cool. So a couple honorable mentions, and I'll get to my Ohio honorable mentions. So I put Tyson as an honorable mention, Mayweather as well, uh, Senator Manny Pacquiao. You know, he had some great fights. And one of my all-time favorite fighters ever – and we're going to do an episode on this, but we both have homework to do because this will be a good argument. Is Marvin Hagler? Oh, bro! I absolutely, I could tell you stories about Hagler, man. I've read the books and everything. I'm so game for this. 
Yeah, I love Marvin Hagler. The you know Brockton, Massachusetts. He had the same trainer from his amateur days all the way through his professional days. You know, he had six. I believe off the top of my head, his record was sixty-two wins, three losses, a draw or two, fifty-two knockouts. Um, to this day, and call me crazy, but every April sixth, I always think about that's the anniversary of probably one of the most controversial decisions in boxing is the Marvin Hagler Sugar Ray Leonard fight from Caesar's Palace. Oh, you know, bro. Like, yeah. like you said, styles make fights and you had a boxer versus a puncher. Some people feel Leonard lost the fight, but stole the rounds in the last 10 seconds, you know, depending on what the judges were looking at ring generalship, aggressiveness, so on and so forth. So Hagler's one of my uh, honorable mentions, but in a future episode is going to be dedicated to that 1987 fight. And I challenge our viewers and our listeners to watch that fight with no sound. No oh yeah, dude. Oh. Watch the fight. Now mine Louis, is my honorable mentions. I've got, so I already told you I had Willie Pep was my number one honorable mention, but I've got a couple more. I've got uh, Henry Armstrong, man, you know, yes. it just, Henry Armstrong, like not a lot of people know know this about him. He it was found that he had a condition. I think it was an enlarged heart, but it, I think it's what it was that allowed him to just pump like cardiovascular. His endurance was through the roof. His windmill style of punching. I mean, he could go nonstop. And I think he was the first to ever hold a championship in three weight divisions. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I think he was the first to do it. Yes, I believe so. He was one of the first ones. To but do it. but then but then my last uh, my I've got uh, my last ones. I've got you know if you want to talk about like current era, you know we can always say our Lomachenko's or our better Bivs, you know. Uh, but I really want to go back like even further, going to you know somebody that I share kin story to, and that's James Braddock and. You know, oh, the, the Cinderella man. <laughs> Cinderella man. So, uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe that uh, that spirit incarnate will come back around. We'll see what happens. I love James Brad. Great movie, by the way, with uh, with Russell Crowe that came out. Great story. You know, family man literally was living in in what they what they called a, um, a slum, I guess, back in during the days of the Depression. Yep. And uh, never gave up, took fights. His wife, you know, discouraged him from fighting anymore. But, you know, he did it and he, he won the heavyweight championship, I get, I believe, against Primo uh, Carrera or Carnera. Primo Carnera, uh, yeah. And uh, that, that was a great fight. Like, you could watch those fights on, on YouTube. That's why oh, yeah. I half, half my work done during the day because I'm watching old fights all the time. So <laughs> I'm going to transition into some, some people from Ohio. So we are, you know, global podcast, but we're based in Ohio. And um, there's four or five fighters that, that I think, you know, are worth mentioning, in, you know, in Ohio. Obviously yourself, you know, three-time champion, always entertaining to watch, always fun to watch. Uh, Travis Davis, again, 6-0, and up-and-comer, you know, doing boxing and MMA at the same time. Uh, can't forget Ray Mancini. WBA welterweight uh, champion of the world or lightweight champion of the world from, from Youngstown. Youngstown had Harry Arroyo as well. Great Kelly Pavlik. There. Yep. Kelly, Kelly the Ghost Pavlik, who nobody thought would beat Jermaine Taylor. In fact, legend has it that when he fought Jermaine Taylor, they flew him into Philadelphia instead of Atlantic City and made him drive in 
Uh, he stayed at the the Bally's, I believe, instead of Caesars, and um, kind of just you know you're the opponent type guy. And then one day we'll get Kelly on to confirm the story, but uh, heard a rumor that they were driving the day after the fight to the airport, and Kelly forgot his paycheck in the hotel room oh, from the from the Jermaine Taylor fight, and they had to turn around and, and go get it. So we'll confirm that we'll confirm that with uh, with Kelly and um, Troy Speakman, you know our friend, you know one of the, yeah. one of the best promoters, you know to me in the country, especially in Ohio. You know, Troy was no slouch in the ring. He was 17 and one with 12 knockouts. That's not an easy thing to, to happen in Ohio. And then one of my favorite Ohio fighters of all time, he's a, he's the grandfather to all of us, Joe Gentile, Lorenzo Gentile's father, um, boxing hall of famer. I got a picture in my office that he actually gave me at one of our um, Ohio state former boxers association meetings uh, it was from February 14th, 1968. Uh, he's got a wine line called The Champ and uh, just a just a good man uh, yeah. altogether. And, you know, Ohio, you know, is to me is a, obviously a hotbed for, for boxing. A lot of great fighters have won world championships that have come out of Ohio and a lot of fighters, you know, maybe that didn't get to the world championship uh, level, but certainly made a way. There was a fighter I saw years ago with my father, one of the first fights, he ever took me to was at a little place called the front row theater outside of Cleveland. And there was a guy named Tommy Hanks that fought and, you know, fought for the Ohio title back then. And, um, you know, don't forget the Muhammad Ali Chuck Wepner fight was in Cleveland or in Richfield. No and kidding. It was in 1975. That was the first fight my dad ever took me to. I was an infant. No and, kidding. Yep. And Sylvester Stallone was in the audience at the fight. And uh, again, urban legend has it that that the Ali Wepner fight was the basis for the Rocky series. No, man, I'm learning something new. Look at that. See? Chuck Wepner was a contender, you know, fought for regional titles or, you know, North American level, U.S. level titles, um, sold liquor. He was a liquor salesman uh, by day. And... Ali at the time was looking for an opponent. You know, he wasn't a mandatory defense. So he wanted to give someone who normally wouldn't get a title shot, a title shot. So they fought in 1975 in the Richfield Coliseum and Chuck Wepner took Muhammad Ali the distance. Um, some say he knocked Muhammad Ali down. Others say Wepner stepped on his foot when he punched him, but that's the referee counted it as a knockdown, but he went the distance with Ali, lost the decision. But if you look at Rocky one, Apollo Creed was looking for an opponent, wasn't a mandatory, decides to give an unknown a title shot, finds a Philadelphia fighter named Rocky Balboa. A lot of now, parallels. See, now here's here's a here's a even wilder parallel. Now you said that you were at that fight as an amateur mm -hmm. with your father. Yeah, now, I wasn't announcing, but well, but here, here, hear me out now. You, you believe in the butterfly effect. Now, had you have not been at that fight at that exact moment, maybe Sylvester Stallone might not have had the courage to get that movie right. What movie is that <laughs> that we're about to talk about? We're about to talk Rock. about the Rocky series right there. You played a pivotal part in Rocky yeah, yeah. being here, so just remember that. We owe it to you, yeah. George. 
Well, I don't have my 85 Lamborghini Countach outside, so, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting on the, on the royalties. The royalties for that one? Yeah. Because his Lamborghini and Rocky Four is, that's the dream car. That's the hit the lottery, you know, get the Southpaw license. Get the Countach. Yeah. You know, put the, put the multicolored IOU sweater on with the mock turtleneck and put a little brood on and let's go. <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> so... Speaking of Rocky, so five Rocky movies were made um, beginning in the late 70s through early 90s, um, took a hiatus for a while, and then the Creed series started. There was two Creed movies, and then a third is coming out, I believe, next month. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, we all grew up on the Rocky movies. You know, those are great. You watch them and you know, you can't get up from your lounge chair, but you still think you can go 12 rounds with Rocky Balboa. So you've seen them, obviously. If not, then then I don't know why we're, we're, we're not friends. But of the five, favorite, what do you like about the Rocky series? Which, which one do you think's bad, if any? If I had to go and say, it's, I mean, I... George, I mean, be honest with you. I, you know, I, I used to watch Rocky a lot. Then I, you know, the the, the I kind of later on when uh, after Rocky Five, you know, and it started always playing, and Rocky Five kind of like did it for me. Where I was like, ah, you know, you had Tommy Morrison, Tommy the Duke, which in the movie was Tommy Gunn. It was more of like a, it was more like a pay flick rather than a true Rocky flick, and even. You know, Sylvester Stallone's come around and said that that wasn't one of his favorites. And that kind of, like, did it in for me. I kind of, like, fell off. Like, you know, I, I watched Creed. I watched Rocky Balboa. Uh, but really, like, the, the the ones that I took stuff from and, like, you know, made it a part of my playbook was, uh, you know, like, Rocky Three. You know, uh, uh, Mr. T comes in and, you know, he's the, the we call it the, uh, the villain of the flick. And, uh I'll, I'll never forget what they ask, and they say, "You know, what's your prediction for the fight?" He says, "Prediction pain, pain." That's right. And I, I just, I love that part. I just, I love it because that that played a big part in like how I got into my opponent's head before the fight. You know, the fight starts when you sign the contract, and I'd always try to do everything to try to get inside my opponent's head. And that's that's him getting inside Rocky's head right there, and that uh. That, 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 if I had to say anything, Rocky, I mean, Rocky four, don't get me wrong, USA, USA, but uh, Rocky three really played a part, you know, for me, like the, you know, learning how to, learning how to, the, the eye of the tiger, you know, the learn how to dance and, you know, stop, stop fighting, you're all square, I get some rhythm and all that jazz. Like it just, it really, it really hit home for me. That was my favorite. Polly carrying the ghetto blaster, you know, when Rocky's swimming. That's right. Apollo taking it. So, I love I love four reasons. You know, one the Lamborghini Countach. I'm sorry, I'm I'm the I'm the chach in this in this podcast, and people can start seeing that evolution. But um, <laughs> the bomber jacket that he wears, you know, when he's running in in Russia, and they're yeah. and they're following him in the Mercedes, and then when he's on the top of the mountain yelling Drago, I mean that's great. And I like the scene in Rocky Four when his trainer goes up right before they start training and gives them that pep talk that you're going to have to go through hell worse than any nightmare that you've ever dreamed. But in the end, you're going to be the one standing. Um, yeah. Three, three was phenomenal with Mr. T, you know, that scene in Philadelphia when Dan uh, undo the statue 
and Rocky announces his retirement, and Mr. T's got those feather earrings in, and you know, yep. calls him out to fight, and then you know, to this day, and, and you know it's coming, and you've seen it a thousand times to where you can mouth the words. When Mickey dies, I still can't watch it. It's bro, horrible. just fucking goosebumps. Just saw it. Yeah. Just hits you. It's, it hits the heartstring. Yeah, I mean it's Mickey, you know, and then and then in the other in the older Rocky movies, you know, five and six, especially when Rocky's standing in Mickey's gym and it's all dilapidated, and Rocky's standing there and Mickey yells, "Get up, you son of a bitch!" Because Mickey loves you. I mean, come on. Yep. There, oh, there's, dude, there's, dude, give me goosebumps right now. Yeah, there's there's nothing better. Uh, six was good, you know. It, it was it kind of made up for five. I, I wasn't a big fan of of Rocky Five. Um, you know, it didn't surprise me that Paulie lost all of Rocky's money and they ended up back in Philadelphia, kind of the circle of life. But I'll, before we get to the Creed series, I will tell you that yes, there's Rocky, there's five Rockies, and then Rocky Balboa. But there's also another one that a lot of people don't know about because it hasn't been that publicized. It's called Rocky versus Drago, the ultimate director's cut. So during I have COVID, not seen that. I have not seen that. Okay. You, this is your homework. <laughs> it, it, it's on Amazon. So what happened was is Sylvester Stallone during COVID decided to take clips from Rocky four that weren't put in the movie or scenes that were edited and play the full scene. So for example, the scene where Apollo comes over to Rocky's house and talks to him about fighting Drago. And basically all you see is them at the table, the robot coming in, wishing Polly a happy birthday, and then them going downstairs and Apollo giving his speech. And next thing you know, he's fighting Drago. Well, there's probably another 15 minutes of dialogue of Rocky and Apollo Creed walking the grounds of Rocky's mansion. There's different things with when he's in Russia. And what it does for a, a Rocky fan of those movies, it ties in a lot of things from the past and the present in the series. And you sit there and you watch it and you kind of go, okay, now that makes sense. Okay, now that makes sense. So it's very, very good. Um, I definitely I'd got highly, some homework, yeah. Yeah, that's a great one to watch. Now, before we get, get done, the Creed series. Michael B. Jordan playing Eldonis Creed. Um, there was two of them, two movies so far. Uh, thoughts on the Creed movies? I think it is a uh, – the, the it extends the, the Rocky heritage, Rocky, Rocky tradition, you know, to a newer generation. I mean, it's uh, – the way I felt when I watched Rocky, it's like, okay, it's not necessarily the same as my son watching it like when I watched it. I think Creed gives him the exact same feeling as I felt when as I felt when I was watching Rocky for the first time. Um, now, does it hit me the same? It just the things that hit me a little differently are that I know that Sylvester Stallone doesn't have the rights to the the Creed movies, even though it came off his story. So it kind of leaves me a little jaded that the Rocky tradition doesn't get to continue with the original Rocky at the helm, um, you know. But uh, as far as the movies, the flicks themselves, very good flicks. Is it? Is it? You know, the the 
The, did I feel the same way when I first watched Rocky? No. But did my son feel the same way that he watching Creed that I felt when I watched Rocky? Yes. So it's definitely the Rocky for this generation. Okay. So one Creed one, in my opinion, was was better than the second one. And, and here's my reasoning. The first one, it set things up because there's a third one coming out. It, it looks decent. Um, my understanding, Stallone is not in it. In the, at least officially, he might have a cameo or, you know, look in the past type of role. Creed 1 was good. It kind of gave the character development of Apollo Creed's son yeah. and, and all that. Um, Rocky gets cancer. He takes care of him. They win the title together, you know, go off in the sunset. Creed 2. So I'm going to equate Creed 2 to, 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 to Cobra Kai. Oh, yeah. Okay. So... <laughs> You know, we grew up, or at least I grew up, I'm a couple years older than you, on Karate Kid. Yep. So when, when Cobra One of my top Kai favorite came, movies. Yep. Oh, it's great. When Cobra Kai came out, I was ready to go back to high school with my Z Cavaricis in my Camaro and let's go. You know, yeah. Johnny was there with his Firebird and Daniel LaRusso. And, you know, you start arguing with your coworkers that of, of like mind and same age, was the crane kick legal in the fight? and all that, and it brought back a lot of nostalgia. Yeah. Creed 2, for me, did that, because it was just cool seeing Drago again. Yeah. It was cool seeing him and Rocky squaring off almost in the restaurant and then in the ring, and then the character development of Ivan Drago's son, Victor, and how when they fought, you know, you see the appearance of Drago's ex-wife, Victor's mother, and you know, Drago said to Rocky in the restaurant, you know, when you beat me, I lost everything. I lost my wife. I lost the respect of my country and all that. And Drago was very jaded and bitter about it. And then when Drago and Creed fought the second time in the movie, you see her make an appearance in the front row. And as soon as Aldonis Creed turned the tide of the, of the fight and knocked him out, you saw her leave again. And but you kind of saw Drago's character come full circle because instead of being, you know, upset in the bitterness type way, he looked at his son and said, It's okay. Everything yeah, that's okay. Uh, it's gonna be okay. That's uh, like you say, come a full circle. You know, now the third one, the trailer's cool. Obviously, you get you know, you can watch it at midnight on YouTube and you're ready to run through walls and run down the street and like you did before your fight with Travis jumping like an icy lake or something. Right oh before man. Christmas. I, I ran, I ran, I ran a real nice, uh, map my trail run. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you, but okay. Uh, but, trying know, to play the skullduggery, trying to get inside the head. It, it was fun while it happened. It made, it made a lot of, uh, it was good promotion. <laughs> yeah. It was good promotion. Yeah, I saw it and I was like, okay, something's wrong with him, but that's Brian. Yeah, Brian being Brian. I tell but, you what, uh, though, like, like, like you said, talking about going and running through, you know, while we get before we get off on a different topic, close it out. You know, one of the things that really made me, uh, like motivate I did the speech from my any given Sunday. Uh, I'm telling you what, man, you want to talk about uh, running through a wall, you, yep. you know. You, you you listen you listen to Al out there you know giving the speech right there at the end and that's uh you'll be ready to run through dynamite run through cinder blocks run through glass buddy that's uh that's I was, I was listening to that pretty much nonstop throughout the whole training you know it's it's a game of inches but yeah that's right know, that's the beauty beauty of sports movies you know they they tell a story it might be you know historical fiction for some of them it might be completely made up 
but you know you you learn things from from those types of of movies and i know you know with me with you know with with my announcing and doing this and my writing and you know even my my stuff with basketball you know when i have those moments i watch sports documentaries i watch football life i watch you know boxer profiles because you're always picking something up because these people made it to the top. What's their why? Why did they do that? What motivated them when no one else gave them a chance? You know, why did Joe Frazier lend Muhammad Ali money when Ali was down and out because he refused induction to the army and lost his title and Frazier was champ? You know, those are stories you don't hear about a lot. And, you yep. know, and, you know, and I, when I teach my classes at, at, at the college, I tell my students, study those things. Find that little edge. Find that one little thing that's going to get you motivated to get up a half an hour earlier than somebody else and do what needs to be done. Because, yep. you know, like Rocky says, that's how winners are made. And, yep. you know, great, great life lessons. And boxing is a, is a great sport to, to have those life lessons because, you know, and we'll see with future episodes when we start interviewing people, you know, there's stories to be told. You know, you got into, you got into the ring for a reason. For some, yep. it was to, you know, escape a, 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 a terrible life. For some, it was legacy. For some, it was, you know, just wanted to try the sport and fell in love with it. You know, you get into this sport for, for many different reasons. And what I always find fun with, with boxing is there's not many fighters, broadcasters, writers, whoever, whatever role you play in the sport, there's not many people that went straight high and that's it. There's there was always a point in their career that they were at the lowest of low, and a lot of them packed it in and gave up, and a lot of them said, "We'll see about that." Whether again, whether it's in the ring or outside of the ring, and how you overcome those obstacles is what's going to define your legacy. Because as a person in the sport, people look to you for to to be like you or to give advice or or whatever, and you know, especially someone like you's you know, fought the fights, won the belts, you know, people look to the, what's the bull think? Well, the bull better know what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the biggest thing that I got that I can, you know, I'm, I'm just, I don't want to sound over the top with it. It's just, I, it comes down to being real. You know, I've, uh, I, I, I'm a regular person, dude. Like I got into this sport at, at 24, man. I wasn't supposed to be the person I am today, you know, and I, I, I literally watched, uh, the uh, episode of made and how the MTV show made and how people got to make themselves into something. And that was the catalyst for me to make myself into this person today. So, you know, my humble beginnings as a uh, introverted intellectual now, you know, becoming this uh, extroverted, you know, uh, uh, character, so to speak It all. It's, it's I, I see both ends of the spectrum and it's a, I didn't get here I didn't get here the same way other people did. I really had to, uh, it was on the job training. It was trial and error. And it was a lot more air than it was winning. Let me put it like that. So it's uh, everything that I, that I have to offer comes from a, if I can, if I can give any bit of advice, it, it's to help you or help others from making the same 20 mistakes that I made to get the same answer. Maybe you'll make five mistakes this time, yeah. helping you get to that, end result a little bit quicker without having to go through the struggle, the pain, the, the time, you know, that I had to go through. So that, that, uh, the, the, the real is what I bring to it. The, the I'm a real person, a regular person with real experience, with real advice. And that's, I think that's what a lot of people gravitate to. And people don't see the, the work behind it. You know, I, I tell my students different, you know, academics and boxing are two different worlds, but 
you know, I, when I teach my classes, I tell my students, it's okay to write your story with a pencil and erase yeah. things and start over. You know, I flunked out of college three times, literally, because I thought I was awesome and didn't go to class. I, I'm still awesome, but yeah. actually ended up going to class. But, you know, it took me a lot longer than the average person to, to capture the four-year degree and then obviously move on to graduate school. So I, I tell that story to, to people that I teach classes to or, or whoever wants to listen because it's okay to fail. It's okay to make a mistake. It's okay to change your mind. You know, no one's got the right to tell you what to do except for you. As long it's as you're fact. staying within the eyes of the law, do what you want. What makes you happy? You know, I lost my dad in, in 2011. And I remember, you know, standing standing there at his coffin and, you know, weight of the world is, you know, only child syndrome. Weight of the world's on my shoulders. Not one person the entire time said, oh, how much money do you make? Or what do you do for a living? Or how high did he get in his, in the police force? Or it wasn't it wasn't about that. It was about oh, I remember when he taught me this, or he was a good person. He was a good brother. He was a good father. He was a good this. He was a good that, you know, legacy definition. Yep. And that's the stuff that I hope, you know, like this podcast, I hope it brings entertainment to people, but I also hope it brings a little bit of hope to people that it's okay to screw up. It's okay to make a mistake, you know, be man or woman enough to admit the mistake be man or woman enough to accept consequences, positive or negative, to go with it and then move on. It's part of you. It's part of who defines you. And, you know, if you're a Christian like me or believe in, you know, whomever you call God, God doesn't put you anywhere you're not supposed to be. That's a fact. And that's where you're supposed to be right now. And it's our responsibility to, 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 give, to give back, to help people, because then they pay it forward, they pay it forward, and then all of a sudden, you know, the world's a better place. Well, they say heat and pressure make diamonds, but it also makes coal. And, you know, some people don't think they'd rather have the diamond than the coal, but I can tell you coal has more uses than a diamond ever did. So remember that. Yes, it does. <laughs> that was great. I, I like that. We're going to, we're going to end on that. So I want to obviously thank my co-host, my partner in this, uh, Brian, the bull Holstein. Thank you for tuning in for episode two. You know, you had a choice. You took time out of your day out of your drive, out of your work day, whatever way you're listening to this podcast to, to take the time to, to listen to these two knuckleheads talk about boxing and life. And uh, I can tell you that we're both forever, forever grateful and uh, forever appreciative. Our first episode did really well. I checked the numbers all the time. And, and I'll tell you what, it's, it's a truly a humbling experience seeing that there's people literally from around the globe that have listened to our, to our first episode for so for those out there that are episode two veterans, thank you for coming back. For those of you that are tuning in for the first time, welcome. And we hope to continue to bring you some great content, have some fun, and talk about the sweet science. Brian, That's anything right. you want to close on? Nah, we did it great, baby. We're gonna be here for you. The champs got We're your gonna... back, and uh, you know we we got we got the we got the beautiful one over there. You know it's uh we we're we're gonna be here for you, thick and thin. So you know stick around, stay tuned. Always will. The 100th episode will be coming up before you know it. So on behalf of Brian the Bull Holstein, I'm the beautiful one, George Phillips. We will see you next time.